when I'm in the inquiry about what I want, I'm going to have fears. I'm going to have judgments. I'm going to bring in all this history about what I was told I was supposed to want. Working through that is simply part of the process. Number two is if I have no idea what I want, what I am clear on is that I want to figure out what I want. So if we can simply start there, that mm. also I think removes a lot of the stress because I say, oh my gosh, I don't know right now. How curious is that? What would it be like for me to just be curious about wanting to know what I want right now? Let's go! Welcome to Becoming an Epic Being with your host, Sukoon. As an advocate of conscious living, my mission is to help you young adults navigate through the confronting issues of your generation, question conventional beliefs, and choose authenticity, because that is where your true joy lies. Each week, I dive into raw conversations with inspiring guests who have undergone big shifts and are here to offer you the tools to do the same. So get ready to step up your game and jump on the ride as you begin the journey towards the next stage of your self-evolution. Hey, you guys, welcome and welcome back to the show. Okay, so right from the time we start taking baby steps into this world, we are confronted with this really big and nerve-wracking question about what is your life's purpose? And with that, I thought it's only fair to bring this conversation to you with my guest, Matt Thielman, where we talk about how does one actually go about figuring out this whole thing called life purpose? And how do you actually become your own GPS system from where you are to where you want to go? We also talk about detaching from mainstream narratives of success and what it means to be successful or worthy and how to gamify your work to stay on top of it and make it fun. My guest here, Matt Thielman, is a transformational coach, a speaker, advisor, and visionary who works with leaders and change makers to help them live more fully into their purpose so they can share their masterpieces with the world. Matt's also the author of This Is Coaching, and he has a really cool TEDx talk, which is called Why the World Needs Mindful Leaders. So definitely check that out. So hope this short and sweet episode brings you some answers and takes some pressure off you. Thanks for being here, Matt. I have gone through your work and some very interesting stuff that I see. And I loved your TEDx talk, by the way. I think it was exceptionally well delivered with some very key messages in there. Thank you. I super appreciate that. Yeah, I thought it was really nicely done. And picking up from that, if we could just dive in. So one of the biggest existential questions that we all have is about finding purpose. And I'm sure you have a thing or two to say about that, given how you got into coaching and changing lives when you didn't feel quite ready at the intellectual level, at least. I often don't feel ready for the things that I take on, to be be completely honest. Yeah. And um, this this is, in this moment, this is what I'm, my answer is that a purpose tends to be for me uh, sort of a pursuit. There's, there's like, for me, there's like a, there's something inside that often can feel like a pain for my folks. It's not always a, a pain, but it's some sort of feeling that says this thing needs to be expressed. There's a part of me that needs to come out. And 
my experience is that when we move in the direction of that or slow down and get curious about that thing, we move closer to our purpose. And often, especially I, I think young people or even folks who uh, you know are in that sort of midlife crisis stage when when they're in asking like, what is this all about anyways? Yeah. There's often this idea of like, I need to know a hundred percent what my purpose is. I need to have the right answer before I can get moving. And I don't at all agree with that. I don't think that works like that for anyone. Yeah. I think that's very paralyzing. It just keeps us stuck and, you know, waiting for the perfect moment, which I think we have now established does not exist. So tell us more about your journey, how you actually started and yeah, how, it's very interesting what you mentioned in the TED talk, like how you just did not feel like you were there yet. You just somehow stumbled upon meditation and teaching that and coaching. That's very, very intriguing. So yeah, talk more about that, please. So the short version is that uh, out of college, I was a marketer. I always knew that I wanted to make an impact in the world. And I thought that marketing was a way that I could get sort of money, power and influence based on the skills that I had such that I could then sometime later go make an impact. And that was a bit, again, if we're you know, kind of following this, like not completely having a purpose distinguished. I just knew there was a thing that I wanted to do. It was, mm -hmm. it was a directional for me. And, um, one day is December of 2014. I read the J Walter Thompson hundred trends of the year report. And they talked about, um, folks doing drop in meditation by invitation only in New York. It was a company called the path. And there's also an article or part of it on digital detox vacations. And I had this aha moment that realizing that my work as a digital marketer was not what I'm here for. Mm. That I was, I was, um, during the day creating Facebook campaigns to get folks to use their phone, but at night at dinner with friends and saying, get off your phone and let's talk like humans, you know, like, let me see your yeah. eyes. And, um, and that I essentially was continuing to feed into this, this, uh, way of being and way of leadership that I didn't actually agree with. And so immediately I thought, oh, I want to create this sort of third space that is technology free. I didn't, mm -hmm. I didn't know that I was going to become a coach. I had all of this, I sort of backed into mm -hmm. with the end idea saying we need a space where we can go and create and be humans and reconnect with ourselves without technology. So that was the inception point of the idea. Um, I didn't have any, at that point, again, like money connections, uh, ability to create money. I, I had never written a business plan. And so I knew that at that point, it was not actually feasible for me to create this community space or co-working space. So I thought, how do I start to do that? How do I build a network? Well, I'll teach these sort of skills, these ideas of mindfulness in corporations. They have money, they'll pay. I can gain an audience. I can get, I can start to, to become influential. And that's how it started. Wow, that's amazing. So you just, um, I guess, owned it and walked in there with confidence and they accepted you, right? Like, yeah, come teach us <laughs> pretty much from what <laughs> I'm hearing. <laughs> uh, well, that was, so that was December. I didn't actually have my first speaking opportunity for six months. So I did, I did a lot of, I mean, a lot. It was slower than I would have liked um, uh, of research. I, I, I went and... Uh, about three weeks later, I did my first, so I had never meditated by this, by this point, this is what yeah, you're referencing. Yeah, in that's in what I was TED talking talk, about. Right? So, <laughs> Look at that. What a I, guy. I, I yeah. Well, I knew this thing was a tool. 
I had always been interested in Buddhism and Zen meditation, but I had never like practiced meditation. I always it made up a story that it was something hard that there was like a thing to do. I didn't really understand the concept. Um, it's very Western of me, right? Like very, <laughs> very sort of American, like yeah. there's a thing to do here that I can get right. Um, so a couple of weeks later, I went to drop in to my first, there was a, a small uh, Shambhala center in Nashville. I'm not even really a center, just some folks who gathered. Mm -hmm. I went to a, a level one training with them and there I found my mentor, um, Kashanti Maria, who she actually found me. I was, it was like 8 a.m. I'm not really a morning person historically. I was like hiding behind the breakfast table, just like trying to bring my body together in the morning before in this group of strangers. And she came over and she's like, you should not be behind the table. What are you doing? Like, get, get over here. What are you here for? And I said, I had this crazy idea. I'm going to bring mindfulness to corporations and um, I'm learning how to meditate. That's why I'm here today. And she said, yeah. we need to talk. Uh, and uh, she's a, an amazing, she's a, she's a therapist now, but had spent uh, I think a decade or two in international business traveling across the world. And she was like, I, believe me, I, I can help. I know, I know what you're trying to do. Wow. here." And um that kicked off her, she and I co-creating what my first offering was. That's no longer what I, what I really focus mm -hmm. on. Uh, but over the next several months, then we, we talked about how then we, we would work together. So she would lead folks in meditation and I would talk about the science behind mindfulness to kind of bring it into the corporate setting a bit more. Gosh, talk about synchronicities. I love that. What a cool story. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And you yeah. also talk about um, building or how to like find your GPS, which is about bridging the gap between where you are to where you want to be. Is that correct? Yeah. So I just published uh, my first book. Congratulations. Uh, actually, as a recording, it was th three days ago, two days ago. Um, nice. I just woke up today and found out it's number one in uh, business coaching and mentoring books on Amazon. No so way. Right. Congratulations. Yeah, That's story. amazing. Thank you. Thank wow. you. Yeah, magic happens when we go to sleep. <laughs> um, so, so yeah. the book is on my framework of coaching. So these days I'm a transformational coach. Um, mindfulness is just baked into what I do. I don't teach it, um, specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, and my framework for coaching, which is, I think for me is the framework for how us, any of us grow in our lives or receive or have the life that we want is based on these, the very, the three simple steps that are in uh, a GPS navigator. So when you open that little app on your phone, First, it immediately tells you where you are, mm -hmm. then it asks you where you want to go. And then once you put that in, it gives you directions. And um, essentially, that's how I think life works. We are at a, a, a given point at any point in our lives. It's super important that we get clear on what that point is, where we are in space, where we are in time. Um, there's a whole lot of nuance to that. Yeah, um, it's super, that. super clear or super important that we get very clear on where we want to go. Just like if we had our little GPS and we said, like, I want to go to, I'm in Colorado. I don't know if I said, I want to go back home to Michigan. If I say Michigan versus a very specific address or even the floor that I want to go to in a building, it's, I get much better directions. And, um, and then after that, only after those two things are established, can we actually get the steps required? Yeah, that's a super cool way to look at it. So from the methodology of the work that you do and your experiences, what is the best way to go about figuring out what you want minus the judgment and the guilt trip. 
Yeah. Well, first, uh, we, I like to assume that those things are going to come up. We'll just like first say like, that's actually part of the process. It's like, uh, it's a caveat too. Yeah. Like Ryan Holiday's book, ego is the enemy. Like I, I love his work and I actually completely disagree. Ego is actually part of the journey. Like it's actually a part wow. of us. Wow. And so the bigger, if we can get bigger and actually say, oh, that's simply going to happen when I'm in the inquiry about what I want. I'm going to have fears. I'm going to have judgments. I'm going to bring in all this history about what I was told I was supposed to want. Working through that is simply part of the process. Mm-hmm. So that's number one. And number two is, um, if I have no idea what I want, what I am clear on is that I want to figure out what I want. So if we can simply start there, that mm-hmm. also, I think removes a lot of the stress. Cause I say, Oh my gosh, I don't know right now. How curious is that? What would it be like for me to just be curious about wanting to know what I want right now? Yeah, that's so great. Allowing yourself to figure things out as you stumble along the way and you don't have to know everything right now, which is something I always emphasize to young adults because there's just so much pressure to have their entire lives figured out at a really young age. So I love this idea of just following your curiosity and that's how you find passion by just stumbling into things basically. That you're, that you enjoy. Yeah. When I, um, there's, there's another formula that I have in the book about setting goals, right? So we, I, I find that we often think that our goals or something in life, either, uh, either we are focused on a tangible objective. I want mm-hmm. to have this career or I want to, um, make this much money, or I want to live in this place. We either get that or we get to focus on the experience of life that we want, which is that like, I want things to feel fun or mm-hmm. I want to have, I want to pursue my happiness. We often think those two things are at odds or that we can only have the experience we want once we have the money or the other thing. And my invitation is actually, I don't believe that that's true, that, that they're at odds. I actually th- encourage folks with my clients and with myself to say, what what if you could have both, let's assume you can have both the experience you want and the tangible outcome. Let's look at both. And so what, what I find that that creates is a new an entirely new way of thinking about life. So an example is I, I wanted to, my goal, my tangible goal was to reach number one bestseller in one of my categories in my launch. And I have it written up in my board here and for it to be filled with fun and joy. Right. And there's a like, I, like many of, I imagine many of your audience, we can say on, on the way to number one, it has to be really stressful and hard. And my, inc- my invitation is, well, what if you could also have fun while moving to number one, how would that change mm-hmm. things? Yeah. I love that. That having fun is really key. Otherwise you're killing yourself. You know, that's when people find passion, like draining because they have all these pressures expectations and they aren't enjoying what they're doing anymore which sucks so on the website i saw on your website i saw something about the value of games and how to design them what's that about yeah well this is part of so um speaking of fun i'm definitely a person who uh is reliable to make things not fun so so all of these formulas are me for you are for me. Yeah. (laughs) They're for me first. And then I just share them with the world. So, um, so yeah, what I, what I have learned is that, so I played sports for 20 years. 
Uh, I played mm. baseball through college and afterward, I still games are a super important part of my life. And what I, my belief is that we humans are designed to, to build and play games. We like to win. We like mm -hmm. uncertainty, which is that we don't know if we're going to win. We like to do things in, uh, in community or in relationship with others. And many games are in relationship and we like to know rules. We actually want to know what we're allowed and not allowed to do, uh, because that helps us to make sense of the world. And so I, I just find that games are a really useful way to think about how to pursue whatever it is we want. And, uh, I mean, you know, as soon as like web two came out, there was the gamification of everything. Right. And we found out if someone got a reward badge that, or something that they would spend a lot more time on it. Right. So, so social media is already taking advantage of this. And, and what I invite folks to do is to understand that we are always actually in control of the games that we're playing. So you have a number of guests who say, Hey, undo that social conditioning, right? Like realize that you're the one who gets to decide your life. I think that games are designing games is a really powerful way to actually embody the fact that we get to design our lives. And so there are some first principles that I am increasingly starting to create, but, um, nice. probably be book number two or three for me. We'll see. Um, and, um, for myself, I design short-term games, again, based on this idea of what's the tangible outcome, what's the experience, what are the rules and strategies, and then how do I know if I'm making progress? So you you actually gamify your work? Yeah, I do. With so what, my, like rewards and accountability metrics, or what does this look like? Exactly, except we, we I use different words because it's a game, right? So if we use the words accountability <laughs> metrics, that would be very fun. <laughs> So yeah, so some of the core parts of games are one, what's the, what's the final outcome or objective? How do I know if I've won the game? If I'm playing uh, a game of hockey, I know that at the end of the game, I win if I have more goals than the other team. And every period is 20 minutes long, so it's 60 minutes total. So we can do, we can do that in our life. In the next six weeks or eight weeks, um, what, what do I want to receive? So what is the income I want to have or how many followers do I want to have or... Uh, I'm making these very business focused, but it could be like, I want to go on this number of dates or I want to make, mm. I want to, um, have a conversation with one new stranger. I don't know. Right. It could be any number of these things, but we also get to decide the timeline. So that's the first part. The second part is what are the skills that I actually get from playing this game? What I, I like to think about it like video games, right? If I'm like leveling up my character by playing these different uh, these different levels, they gain new skills and that happens for all of us. And I find that we are often motivated by the idea that we get to gain skills. So me being on a number of podcasts, um, when talking about my book is that now I suddenly have more skill in being able to speak in public and I can use that later on in life. Right. And so we can think about what are the meta things that we gain simply from playing this game. And then from there, we think, what are the rules that I want to play by? And that's mm -hmm. where I add in the experience. This game has to be fun no matter what. And if I, rules of the games we play in life are often, they're internal. We're, we're, only, we're the only one who knows if we're following the rules or not, basically. And so we might as well design games that we want to play. So if you love accountability metrics, great. Build that game. I don't, I want my, I want a different word, right? So I want it to be fun. Uh, I want to challenge myself in a way that I still feel like I am safe. 
Um, like whatever that is, you get to decide that. And then from there, we, we figure out our strategies and tactics. So if it's, I want to make one new friend at the coffee shop in the next month, then how might I go about that? I might, this, the tactic I might do is, oh, I'm going to make five different icebreakers to go talk, mm -hmm. strike up a conversation, or I'm going to go try one time being on my laptop or one time reading a book. And I'm going to see if people talk to me, or I'm going to wear funny, a funny hat and see if strangers too much, like we get to design all of that. And then the last part is, um, probably the most fun part or challenging. If you're like me is what's my reward. What do I get for winning the game? Maybe it's ice cream or maybe, you know, like whatever it is, but, um, you know, so go ahead. How did you apply this to the process of writing a book? So, um, for the writing of the book, I just did it for the launch of the book. It, it very much looks like, um, so the tangible outcome is heading number one in one of our categories. Um, the thing, what I get to do. So like the skills I gain is I get to be super enrolling in community. I get to be someone who supports others as they work towards a bigger sort of purpose or outcome. So we had a, I had a, a launch community of more than a hundred people who were super engaged, super incredible, showed up like crazy over the last couple of days. And so the skill that I got is I got to be someone who could support that community. And that will be super helpful later on in life for me. Um, the rules are, again, it has to be fun and full of joy. So anytime I was making it really hard and scary, I had to stop playing and say like, oh, actually, am I having fun? Is this being joyful? Um, I'm sure I have more rules. I, I don't have them right now, but th that was sort of the main. Yeah. And, and then the strategy and tactics. So my team supported me in building a WhatsApp community. Um, we had all this stuff posting on a regular basis. We have, you know, all this stuff was happening in the background. Um, so those are taken care of. And honestly, as I talk about the, the reward, like I, I, I didn't make a huge one, but I did have friends in town on the night of launch and we went out to a really a great dinner to have fun. Yeah. So from what I'm hearing you say, this process automatically increases self-accountability, even though you may not call it that. It's just a way of ensuring that you show up for what you commit to, right? Yeah, for sure. And in yeah. a way that you actually want to show up. And that's why I think games are so useful. Cause, cause again, I'm really good at showing up and being like, why am I doing this? I don't want to. So help me out here. Maybe you can help me out with something right now that I'm struggling with, which is posting yeah. content on LinkedIn, which I find so strenuous. I just like, don't enjoy it. How can I make that fun? How can I gamify that? <laughs> I actually missed, this is actually really important. I missed one critical part of goal setting. Sorry, yeah, so I talk, No, well, this is this is me. So this is actually helpful. I I, I was like, it, in here, I was like, that's not that important. It's super important. So we talk about tangible goals. We talk about experience. And the third part is the what for. So that's, that's like the North Star for this game or for this thing. And so I'm curious from you, what, what, what are you posting content on LinkedIn for? My mission right now, current one is to get into corporates like you at some point in your life to um, create spaces for psychological safety. And I'm doing a bit of that anyway, but I want to double down my impact where I'm doing more work with corporates and creating self-awareness and authentic expression and conflict resolution and things like that. So yeah, just basically making EQ the norm because IQ has been like, you know, we've always been obsessed with that at the cost mm -hmm. of losing the fundamentals of empathy and emotional intelligence. So I want to now make that mainstream in the corporate space, especially.
So, so it sounds like digging into your what for EQ becoming the norm in the corporate world is really important to you. That's like your mission. Yeah. What has the, if we can dig in a little bit more, like, why is that important to you? Because for the corporate space, like more collaboration, teamwork, more harmony and greater productivity. And at an individual level, more internal freedom and fulfillment and peace and not being at conflict with yourself and with others. That sounds beautiful. Yeah. I heard harmony both like organizationally and personally yeah. in that. Yeah. How is the world different when that happens? Okay. Let's talk about this offline after the podcast. <laughs> I don't know with me, man. Well, so, 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 well, this is actually like the, I, I believe that when we get clear on the long-term impact then we often the motivation starts to arise yeah (laughs) and i I didn't i didn't i didn't mean to like get into coaching right that's that's right that's where i would look though right when i design a game it's like what is this why is this super important because why would i actually show up for this thing on a regular basis so i think just reminding myself of even though it seems super like monotonous and I'm so sick of the same old like messages about like, I mean, whatever, you know, just the same old narratives on LinkedIn. Um, I think the bigger picture here is just like, remember my why, why I'm doing it, right? Like what's my North Star? And, and for listeners, the other thing that I'll point out is I heard from you as you said, oh yeah, like a reminder of my why is really important. And so mm-hmm. part of the strategies and tactics that you might add is, oh, I want to on a regular basis or whenever I feel a little bit like, why am I doing this? I want to return to that. So I want to make it a habit of returning to my why, or maybe returning to like a, an amazing testimonial you got from one of your clients that reminds you mm. of the impact that you're making. Mm. And, and so, so when we start to understand, oh, I need this thing in order to stay motivated, we just bake into the process, returning to that thing that we need. Right. So it's like, mm. Uh, it's like stopping. If we're using the GPS metaphor, it's like, oh, I need to stop for gas sometimes like that. We know that that's true in a car, but we forget that that's true sometimes as humans. Yeah. What in your experience have you found to be the biggest block that people have when it comes to setting goals and achieving them and just transformation in general? It's scary. Like that, like period, full stop. Fear is going to show up and Mm. And I believe that our lives are perfectly designed based on how we want them right now. All of us, we're all perfect. Our lives are all perfect. And, and, and in order to grow or transform, something needs to change, which means at some point our life will feel not perfect anymore. And there's a lot of fear in that. And, um, there are a lot of stories we already talked about of like, if I say that I want something and I start moving towards it, the fear that I might not get it is going to show up because it's true that you might not get it. And we have a lot of stories about what it means about us if we don't get that thing, right? My family's gonna be disappointed. Um, my partner's gonna leave me. Everything is gonna change. We also ironically have fears, maybe not ironically, unfortunately, have fears about what happens when we do get the thing. So for many of us, it actually feels unwinnable because when we get the thing, we actually are worried that our family is also going to not like us. Or if we don't get the thing, we're worried our family is not going to like us. So we might as well not try. Yeah, this reminds me of, are you familiar with um, The Big Leap, Gay Hendricks' work, The Upper Limit? Yeah, I had him on a podcast like, a few months ago and we talked about the same thing. 
like how we upper limit ourselves all the time, even if it's unconsciously done, it's so crazy. I Honestly. am doing it constantly. I love his book. I love his work. I yeah. reference it in my book. It took me three years to read it. People kept going, Matt, like you need to read this. And I was like, no, 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 I get it. Yeah. I read it and I was like, oh my gosh, it's everywhere. So from what I heard you say, fear is the biggest fear we have, but that stops us from growing. And you help people by, how do you help people with that then? In the same way that we, I believe that um, if we simply acknowledge the judgment's going to show up, yeah. the fear is going to show up, yeah, yeah. we can move through it. And often if we have a compelling enough, what for? So if the, the change that we seek to make is, is tangible enough, we will work through the fear. Or if the current pain of our situation is acute enough yeah. for at least a limited time until it feels better, we'll move through the fear. True story. And I love how you mentioned about the ego not being the enemy. It's just a part of who you are and just to accept it. Like that to me is, wow, it's just so powerful. And it's such a different perspective because often people separate the two that like, you know, forget the ego, let it go, suppress it. But it can't work like that because it's just about taming it, I guess, right? And I'm very curious about your views on success. What does that mean to you? Very simply, I believe success is having living the life that we want to live. So we often attach all kinds of stuff to success. I'm only yeah. a success if blah, 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 blah. And if I'm not a success, yeah. then I'm a bad human. Yeah. And I, I think that there's no morality attached to success. There's no, like, basically we're already all successful and we can, we can move, I would say towards greater sort of spiritual or soul success simply by listening and saying, oh, there's this part of me that has a desire for something in my life to change. I'm going to move towards it. And, and so, yeah, the reason I asked you that is because I loved how you said in your answer about success is not a measurement of your worth or morality as a human. I'm like, gosh, I love that. So yeah, you were saying, yeah, it, it's, you know, we, we will look a lot of the business books on success are like metrics, the, what are metrics, right? And they have this, like, you look at all these amazing people and how amazing they are because they're successful because they have big numbers. I think that one could be extremely successful by having a very minimal life if that's the life that they want. And again, it's about being an honoring uh, of our soul, of our spirit, of our true desires. But I think somewhere, don't you agree that there's a link between success and feeling fulfilled? Like you have to have something that you, that in a sense of accomplishment or achievement or whatever else you want to call it, like there is a link there, don't you think? I believe that we're all designed to grow. And I think you and I are saying the same yeah. thing as that. So it's an, I think it's a natural desire for us to grow and expand. And when I, th I think maybe like one, the, one of the first steps towards unhooking our current idea of success is to simply say, mm -hmm. you don't have to do anything. And when we can not, that I don't get at all. I just don't yeah. get that. Like, what do you mean? I just be on Netflix all day on my couch, slouching away. Like that wouldn't bring me success or fulfillment. Often, I think the people who are most afraid of that are the least likely to do it. So that, okay. this is what, like, I have a friend who is going to become a dad and is like, I'm worried I'm not going to be a good dad. So folks who are most worried about 
becoming yeah. a sloth and not doing anything. I often I'm saying you like, you're the least I'm worried about. What I am <laughs> trying to do is to say that right now you likely have a hook in you that's pulling you in a particular, particular direction that you didn't actually yeah. put in that society put in that says you have to move forward or else something is wrong with you. And what I'm yeah. saying is just pull that hook out and notice you don't have to do anything. And from there, I believe we have choice. Okay. So let me ask you this. What hmm? drives fulfillment for you? I am a crazy person. So I want everyone <laughs> in the world to have the skills and being of a co coach. I am super driven by massive impact. So, yeah. uh, so like my, like I, um, I am one of the people who almost does not know how to turn off. I can get obsessed. I go crazy. I actually am like, so I talk about this again because I'm the first person who has to unhook and slow down. So in your world, in the work that you do, what would success look like to you? Like, like if you have an answer to that. So this, uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot into that. So I have, um, like eight aspects of life that I measure that I have a vision for the next year. So one of them okay. is health. And so I have a vision of what is a health, my health look like if it's 10 out of 10. And that is, so I've had an autoimmune disorder. That's no autoimmune things. That's, um, some particular strength goals. That's some just feeling a certain way in my body. I have, for example, some other business metrics. That is the income I want to make, the types of folks I want to work with. And again, the experience yeah. I want to have. And I have that for all of my aspects of life. And so success for me is moving towards those. It is measuring, am I moving towards those or am I on track based on the timeline I have? And also how is my experience of this? And many times for me, it's actually acknowledging, oh, this stuff is actually happening. I, uh, I can relax into that. I can acknowledge it's happening and allow myself to feel the happiness of that. Interesting. So wait, you still have metrics then if I understood correctly. Oh, for sure. That I, I think in the same way that like, um, on my GPS, like I put a very particular address in, like I want to get to a place. I'm mm -hmm. very clear. I, I actually believe the more clear we are, the more the universe moves us towards that. What I am saying is I want that to not come at the expense of feeling the, feeling the experience Unworthy. of life. Yeah. So success should not be linked to your sense of self and your sense of worth, basically. That's it. You're already worthy. Cool. Speaking of what in your view is an epic being? All of us. Is that an appropriate answer? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All of us are epic beings, but what makes us epic though? So I will, I believe that we cannot help be, be, be epic beings. I believe that we were, we're all holy and divine, all parts of us, our ego or every part of it. And so we're all naturally epic beings. Again, given what we're based on what we we're talking about, I also believe that we were designed to grow and transform somehow in this life. That's why we decided to be here. Mm -hmm. And so if we have, if we're saying like, it, there's something that has to be shown for it. I imagine it's being in the inquiry of like, what am I here for? If, if I did allow myself to be epic, what would that look like? And how might I live my life? That's very unique. Haven't heard that one before. That's really cool. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And where would you like people to find you, Matt? 
You can find me at my website, which is goldenbristle.com. Uh, and I'm on all of the socials with my name or Thielman one. Mm -hmm. I hope you can find me. I'm pretty findable. Do you use any of the platforms more than the other? Like if you're more active on any one of the platforms? Generally, I'm more active on LinkedIn, although that's the harder to find. Ah, okay. since, since book launch, I have uh, become a lot more active on Facebook and Twitter as well. And I imagine I'm going to be mm. active on Instagram. Because, Everywhere, basically. Yeah, because I have to be, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for being here and sharing your insights on goal setting, gamifying, and success. Very, very interesting stuff. And yeah, great to have chatted with you. Thank you so much for having me. And that's the wrap. Thanks so much for tuning in. If this conversation resonated, help spread the value by sharing with a friend and feel free to share your thoughts and comments on Instagram at epic.beings. Also, to stay up to date with weekly episodes, you may want to hit subscribe. Until next time, stay epic.